Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Uh, we are in um, the uh, sixth part of a series we've simply called Roller Coaster. And we've been looking at the life of Joseph. Not Mary and Joseph, Joseph. Not Joseph and Bethlehem, Joseph. Jesus' stepfather. And yes, Jesus had a stepdad. Um, But we're looking at Joseph from way back in Genesis. This is Joseph, the story of Joseph, who is, it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And so we've been looking at his story because out of the, all the folks in the Bible, we get a lot of narrative, a lot of story out of. Joseph is one that we have a whole lot of details of his life. And like most of us, his life was a roller coaster. It was up, it was down, it was sideways, there were twists and turns every which way. And the amazing thing is that we get to see how Joseph handles those things. Man, how he handles being on top. How he handles success, how he handles being betrayed, how he handles things, things just completely going sideways on him, how he handles things where he does things right and it doesn't yield the right result. Because sometimes doing the right thing doesn't always get the right result, especially when we're dealing with people. But we do the right things anyway. So we've been looking at this concept right here because God is, wants us to be a people of joy. And we understand that. We have a desire for that. But sometimes we can begin to have a wrong paradigm of life. And we can end up being frustrated when we really don't have to. See, well, let's look at this concept again. Is that joy in life isn't about embracing the ups or avoiding the downs. But in knowing that no matter what life throws at you, God loves us and will carry us forward. No matter what. No matter what. Jesus promised us that in this world we would have trouble, but for us to take heart, He has overcome the world. There is stuff that's going to happen, but in the middle of that, we can have the walk in this place of consistent, constant joy. And we've looked at Romans 15, 13 over and over again. We will continue to come back as our launching point. And Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. He's a God of hope. He's a God who has a plan and a future and something wonderful in front of you. Maybe you're here this morning and you you feel like your hope tank is gone. I want you to just dare to open your heart to hope this morning. That God is a God of hope and he wants to begin to to spark in you a vision for something that goes beyond where you are today. And see this God of hope fills us with joy and peace as we trust in him. We've said it every week over and over again. It's a a process. It's, It's I cross this rug as I take a step. It's progressive. It's God fills us with joy and peace as we trust in him it's almost like we're looking at this old school water pump you know you see a little house on the prairie on one of those old shows and they're just pumping the water and the water begins to flow as we are connecting with him as we trust in him as we let his word be what governs our lives and he does this so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit he wants the hope on you to be a contagious kind of hope 
He don't want just the hope that's in you to just stay on the inside of you. He wants it to get out. And we ought to be a people of hope. Not because everything in our life is going well. Not because everything's perfect. But because our God is with us. And we have a place of hope in Him. That He's going to carry us forward. And it's this thing that, that trusting Him makes the difference. It just does. And I understand that that's a place of growth. That we start out and we, we finally, we, we start at this initial place that we recognize that, that man, that when I'm left to my own devices, that things don't work out too well. That when I look at a, at a righteous and holy God and, and look at, at what it means to be righteous in and of myself, that I can't get there. I, I don't have the goods. And we start out recognizing that, that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and, and he showed us what the, what the Father is like. And Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection made righteousness available to us. And we start out going, you know what, I need it. And Jesus has provided it. And now I believe that. And I trust God. I trust God for my eternity. I trust God for my salvation. And that's where we all begin in our relationship with God. But then it goes further. It goes further because he's not just worried about your future eternity. He's worried about the fact that eternity begins for you now. And he wants to be involved in your life here and now. And there's this place where we need to learn to trust God. We need to learn to not try to manhandle everything in our lives. But there are places where we need to just let him rule and let him do it. We've been, of course, using the, the, this metaphor of a roller coaster all the way through it. And, you know, not all roller coasters are, you know, ha are mechanical and powered. When, when uh, I was uh, in high school, I got the opportunity to go to Colorado and for, for youth camp. And it was a great time. Got to do the river rafting and all that stuff. And God impacted my life forever. And, um, you know, if you have an opportunity to help someone go to camp, um, it, it's, it can be a, a life-changing time to have a whole week dedicated for a young person to connect with God. And my life was forever changed whenever I went to camp. But one of the things we did there was that we had a, had a little excursion. We went off and enjoyed the mountains growing up in West Texas. I mean, you just see forever. I mean, Odessa is just flat, 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 flatter than San Angelo. It's just flat. And so we got into the mountains, and it was just amazing and, and majestic. And, of course, they have all these ski areas. where We're there in the summertime. There's no snow where we were at. You wouldn't ski, but they still had the lifts. They still had that. And some genius decided that they were going to make use of this mountain and the ski lift and all that. And they created these things called alpine slides, which is basically like a granite luge. So that they've taken these blocks of granite, and they, they've cut these these ruts in them and you get this cart you ride up the ski lift you get up to the top and you get in this little cart and this cart has has this like little controller in the middle of it okay you leave the controller alone and you're you're just on these little skids and you just slide down the mountain it's like being on this cool slide you start getting going a little fast where you can pull the little the little controller back and this this little grid of rubber comes down and pushes down, creates some friction, slows you down, stops you, you're in control. Now, if, if you really want to enjoy the full effect of the gravity of the mountain, then you can push forward. And forward, it's not the rubber grid that comes down, it's a grid of rollers that comes down. 
So now you're not just sliding along on the hard plastic. Now there are these rollers that come down, and then you get to really get moving and smoking along. And they had two runs side by side. You had to go on the, the one on the left for a couple of times. It was the slow run, the kitty run. And then you could go on the right. Well, we were only there for two runs. Well, I wasn't going to get to go on the cool run. So I got up to the top, and there was, you know, a, a typical person who was just there punching the clock and not worried about all of the stuff. And I was like, dude, please, seriously, I'm only here this one time. Can I please do the, the good run? He's like, sure. And so I go over there, and he's like, but listen to me. He said, don't lean in to the turns. Just sit straight up, and you'll be fine. Don't, you're going to want to try to lean into it. You're going to want to try to help it out. Just sit there and let it do all the work. So I'm like, sure, great, awesome. So got in there, my turn to go, put it on, go. Push the fast, put the wheels down, man. We get rolling. And so sliding down this, sliding down this granite luge thing and come to the first bank and it's like like the luge like a bobsled and it's banked turns and the first one I, I tried to to do what he said and I was like woo that, that's that was kind of creepy and so I'm still going and get to the next one and man and everything with it I just couldn't fight it I just could not fight the urge it starts to go up on the side and everything within me wanted to kind of counterbalance it and kind of lean against it well sure enough boom I rolled it. Well, then now it's not the cart sliding against this polished granite. It's me in my shorts and my T-shirt. And I slid and I slid and I slid and I slid. And, man, I tell you what, I had strawberries. Oh, it just, just, just scraped me, just skinned me up real good. And I just had these, these rub burns. Well, then it made me mad. So then I got the bus like, man, I'm riding that thing again. <laughs> and I got back up there and I got up to the top and the guy saw the rub burns. He's like, you leaned, didn't you? I, was like, <laughs> I did. I did lean. He's like, don't lean. And so I got up there and I'm riding down. It's the last run. And I'm sitting there and I'm doing the little chicken thing. So finally I got about a quarter of the way down and I'm like, forget this. They said it works. I'm just going to do this. So I just hold it down straight, and I just sat in the middle and just let it do what it's supposed to do. I'm telling you, that ride was incredible. Those turns you get up on the side, and you're looking, looking down at the, little, the rest of the part below, and it's just it's perfect. And you go through, and you hit this thing. There's one little double bump. I got airborne for a second. I don't know you're supposed to do that. But I did, and it was awesome, and I hit, and I didn't move, and I just rested in the middle of that. And the designer knew what he was doing. Every time I tried to help, I messed it up. And see, there's this place where as we begin to trust in God, and this is why God will meet us wherever we're willing to meet him. Maybe you're sitting there and, and, and thinking about trusting God in the area of, of your finances just rips your guts out. Man, but God's calling you into this other spot. Man, begin to trust Him there. And begin to trust Him there. And as we begin to see that He's faithful, it begins to, that place, it begins to build us up and begins to fill us up in this place of peace and joy as 
we're trusting in him. This life with Christ is amazing. We get to grow in it and trust with him in this area. And that begins to spill over to another area. And that begins to spill over to another area. Until finally begins that he's, he's hitting the places of your deepest pain, your deepest frustration. And showing that he is faithful and setting you free step by step, moment by moment as you trust in him. That is the life we're called to live. Being a Christian isn't just about going to church and punching a Sunday card and writing a check here and there and, and, and praying at all the big prayer moments. No, it's about a living, dynamic relationship with a God who loves you and cares about you. That is what this is about. And see, to, <clears throat> as we step into the next part of the, this <clears throat> understanding of, of Joseph and his relationship with God, we see that, that Joseph was faithful. He was faithful when he was the favorite of his daddy. He was faithful to God when his brothers betrayed him, sold him into slavery, and, and he ends up a slave. He was faithful as a slave, and he still purposed to bring blessing everywhere he went and to, and to, to be as good as possible. He was faithful when his, when his master's wife relentlessly tried to seduce him when there was no other pressure for him to be a man of integrity his relationship with God caused him to be a man of integrity and then when everything blows up in his face he's he honors God he honors his boss and he ends up getting lied about and thrown in prison anyways even in his deepest, ugliest moment, we see that God was with him, and he uses that. In fact, look at your notes. Because here is a truth that we, we always like the mountaintops. We always like the, the high moments. But I found this, that we often get prepared for our, our highest moments and our lowest moments. We often get prepared for what God wants to do on a big scale. He begins to do it on a small scale. When God wants to begin to sit there and, and, and use your life from a, from a place of, of destiny and, and trust and, and all of those different things, it happens in a place of, of privacy. It's not God just automatically put us in front of people until we're ready for that. He begins to cultivate in a quiet place what he wants us to shout later. Let's look at Genesis 39, verse 20. Joseph's master, this is after his master's wife lied and said that Joseph tried to assault her, and Joseph had not. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So that the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he <coughs> was made responsible for all that was done there. Here is a prisoner. Joseph is a prisoner. This is a guy who's accused of sexually assaulting this high official's wife. And somehow... 
somehow the people in the know, the prison warden, all that, see through the lies. They see who Joseph really is. They don't buy into all the other mess that gets tries to get tagged to who Joseph is. Why? Because Joseph won't quit being Joseph. He just keeps being who God built him and wired him to be. He doesn't back off of it for a second. So just like Joseph was faithful in his father's household when his brothers were goofing off, and he rises to the top. Then he's faithful when he sold it as a slave, and he rises to the top. And people could trust him, and people could trust him. Now he's there in the prison. And the prison warden sees that he can trust this prisoner and puts Joseph as a prisoner in charge of the entire prison. Verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. We'll see that that's, we find that true of Joseph wherever where he went. Eventually, he does find this place of, of significant success in the eyes of the world. He's, he ends up being the number two guy in Egypt, the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. And it was the same thing. Pharaoh didn't look into anything that he had entrusted to Joseph. But Joseph getting to that point, Joseph had done it in a place of success with his, in his household. He had then done it as a slave, and now he's even doing it as a prisoner. The fact that he would not quit set him up for a place for him to eventually step into the fullness of his destiny. See, what's so cool about this, in this roller coaster analogy is that with this, the ups and downs of a roller coaster, the engineering is, is that you, you don't stop at a low point. As long as you stay on the tracks, all the energy that took you low can be redirected to take you right back up again. And Joseph never would stop in a low point. He kept staying on track with God. He would not divert off of it. See, Joseph used his, his administration gifts as a blessing everywhere he went. He was wired to be faithful with whatever was placed in his hands. That was his assignment. He was, he, he was gifted as an administrator. His dad trusted him. He excelled. Potiphar, his master, who bought him as a slave, he excelled. And now even here in prison, he's not backing off. So many times we think that our, in the low moments that that's our best time, our best excuse to back off from stepping into what God has for us. And you know what? And all of us, we kind of give each other a pass on this. You know, somebody begins to not be, they begin to be less of who they're called to be. And like, well, they're, they're going through a rough patch. Just, you know, just kind of let them have their moment. Folks, you and I, it's not that we should get critical or hard on each other, but we should be always calling out the best of each other. We should never say, you know what? It's okay for you to be a little less than who God called you to be. There's not a scenario where it's okay for you to be less than who God's created you to be. There's only moments for it to shine even better. Those dark moments are where it shines even better. How much more did Joseph's faithfulness stand out in the prison than even when 
he was, he was in his father's household. It could have been that he was just sucking up to dad. That's why Joseph always takes care of everything. Everything is on Joseph's to-do list. He gets it done because he's brown-nosing dad. Well, who's, who's he trying to prove something to as a prisoner? He's stuck. All he, for all he knows, he's there for the rest of his life. But what he's purposed is that if that's it, then for the rest of his life, he's going to be Joseph. He's not going to let that create and carry him somewhere else. Let's look at Romans 5, verse 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we all have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This grace in which we stand. This is God's enabling power. God at work in us. And we rejoice in this. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But see, Paul doesn't stop there. He says, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. What? Paul, what? I get us rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. That's all the beautiful, wonderful stuff. But we rejoice also in our sufferings. He says, knowing this, that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The love of God poured out into our hearts tells us that no matter what dark moment we're in, it's not going to end there. No matter what dark moment we're in in the moment, that's not the end of the story. God's love tells us this isn't the final chapter. And so even in the middle of our sufferings, we rejoice because we know it isn't over. It's not done. God is at work. And if we will stay connected with him and stay in a place of hope then, and, and, and stay in a place of trust in him, then even in the middle of that suffering, then it produces perseverance. Is perseverance good? Yes, it is. Is char- <coughs> perseverance produces character. Is character good? Absolutely. All of these things begin to build as we trust in Him. There's nothing that life can throw at you that God can't take and begin to help promote you. Everybody would have thought the prison was his lowest point, but that was a- that's actually the platform from which he gets promoted to this highest station. Everybody thinks, man, this trajectory's bad. He was here, and then he gets... He gets betrayed, and then he gets sold into a slave, and now he's in prison. And this whole time he has a dream that God's going to do something huge that's going to bless his whole family to the point that they come and give him honor. It keeps getting uglier and uglier and uglier. But Joseph holds on to it. He holds on to it. See, we rejoice because in Christ even our difficulties Even in our difficulties, God's love is at work taking us somewhere. James 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that 
the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance or patience <coughs> finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. So many times when we're dealing with trials of many kinds. If we get honest, if we get real honest, most of the trials in our lives are brought on by our own carnality. If we're real honest. We end up facing some financial trials. Most of them come because we didn't steward what was already in our hands previously very well. And had we walked it out differently, we would be in a different place right now. A lot of times we end up with health stuff because when we could have been making healthy decisions, we, don't, we didn't do it. And we kept putting off making healthy decisions till later and then we're in a health crisis and all these different things. So many times we look at our relationships and go, you know what? I wouldn't be in a relationship crisis if I'd have been a little more caring and a little more forgiving and a little more understanding and a little more engaged with my spouse, with my children, with my boss, with my friends, all these different things. If we're real honest, a lot of the trials in our lives are brought on in us because of us. Not all of them, not all of them, a lot of them. And here's the thing. And so many times what we'll do is we'll feel like because we see our own fault in it, we have a hard time going to God to ask to fix it. And then we think if we do, that he's going to kind of chew us out and give us, the, give us the dad lecture of why in the world you get yourself in this mess to begin with. And see, and we, God doesn't handle us that way. See, he says, if any of you lack wisdom... You should go to ask who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So here we are. What a beautiful place for us. That we consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, even the trials that you help bring on yourself, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Well, that means we were immature and incomplete, which is usually what led us to some of our trials, is our immaturity and our incompleteness. But then if we lack wisdom, go to God, and he's going to give it to you in the middle of it, without finding fault, without giving you the chew-out lecture, without any of that. I'm telling you, maybe you're here this morning, and there's something looming over your head, and you're sitting here full of regret for all the stuff you didn't do that led you to this moment. I want to tell you, stop it. Stop it right now. Because all you're going to do is replay all that stuff in your head over and over and over again, and you will feel a little bit, a little bit like you deserve what you're getting. So then you'll kind of own it for a little while, kind of bask in it, and kind of feel like you're, it's, it's making, it's okay that this, because you're kind of paying your penance. And I'm telling you, God wants to just deliver you from it. He wants to carry you forward, so stop that mess. Stop doing that, and go to God this morning and say, God, I get it that I put myself in a mess. Show me how to get out of it. 
God, give me the steps how to get out of it. Lord, I realize I wrecked my marriage. Help me to get out of it. Lord, I realize I wrecked my finances. Help me to get out of it. Lord, I realize that I wrecked people seeing me as a person of integrity. Help me to rebuild a new reputation. God, help me to do this. And he will do it. He will do it. We won't. So many times the low points, we get stuck there because we won't grab a hold of the wisdom of God. We'll sit there and think we deserve it and we'll stay in it too long. People let go of it. Let go of it. Then the last thing we want to walk away with from this of, of his time in prison is be willing to minister to others in the middle of your own trouble. So many times we think, man, I've got so much going on, I really just need to take care of me right now. I really just kind of need to take care of me. You know, my, my plate's pretty full with my mess, and so, uh, you know, I'm sorry about your mess, but I've got my own, and sorry. Maybe one day when I got my stuff together a little bit, um, maybe I'll help. Let's look at this. He's still in prison. Genesis 40 says, Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer, and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph. So here are these two prisoners that the, that the king of Egypt himself threw them in prison. Not somebody else. The king of Egypt himself threw them in prison. So they needed to be made sure that they don't get away, that everything's handled here. So they put them in Joseph's care. Why? Because Joseph is going to make sure they stay confined, they do all that. But look, he's also caring for their needs. He's not just saying, you sorry dogs, I can't believe you. He's caring for their needs. He says, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended to them. After they had been in his custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. And when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Isn't that a funny question? One prisoner asking another prisoner, why do you look so sad today? Uh, we're in jail. I don't know. Life seems pretty cruddy. We're in jail, buddy. Look around. Why are you not sad today? Why you got that goofy grin on your face? We're in jail. But he saw, Joseph saw in the middle of that, that there was this, even in being in jail, even in being in prison, he saw that there was, there was something off. And Joseph cared. In the middle of his own hurt, in the middle of his own being in, in the middle of his own prison, he reached out to the person next to him that he saw was in need. I'm here to tell you this morning, there's, there's not a place, that, there's not a hole you can find yourself in that God can't use you to minister to somebody. You can't. Maybe you end up in prison. You know what? There are a lot of prisoners who encourage one another and have Bible studies together and, and help move one another forward. 
maybe in your own thing. Maybe it's not prison, prison. Maybe it's not jail. Maybe it's not that stuff. But you have your own struggles and your own stuff that you're going through. I'm telling you, lift up your eyes. There's somebody that God wants you to reach out to, that God wants you to minister to. And the big lie the enemy wants you to, to, to buy into is that you're in the middle of your own mess. And you know what? You're the one that needs the love. You're the one that needs the attention. You're the one that needs that. You know the, the best way for it to do? We're a body, right? A cell isolated doesn't get all the nourishment that's available. But a cell that's a part and it's doing its part to the body, all of a sudden it gets all the stuff it needs to heal itself. It's an amazing thing. So I want to tell you, begin to connect, begin to let the, the love of God begin to pour out of you. Colossians 3, 23, as we wrap this up, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. When he was a slave, when Joseph was a slave, he was serving God. He told Potiphar's wife, how can I sin against God and, and do what you're asking me to do? He was serving God at every point. When he was in prison, he served God in his low points. You're never so low that God can't use you to minister to somebody. To somebody. Matthew 25, 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. That's what God wants for us. He wants to share in, in his happiness. But we will never begin to step into it until we begin to embrace the little opportunities God brings us our way. We won't. We'll never begin to fully enjoy the fullness and the joy that is our Heavenly Father's joy until we begin to step into the little moments we have right now. Maybe you're in a dark time, but I tell you, find somebody to pray with. Find somebody to minister to. Maybe you're in a low moment. I'm telling you, begin to trust God and, and recognize and let the character and the integrity be that he has for you begin to spill over into your moment right now. I'm telling you, man, God will begin to change the trajectory of that in a hurry. See, there's no such thing as an insignificant phase of life. There's no such thing. I look back, and when I got the call on my life to become a pastor. My pastor is my pastor to this day. I told him I felt like I was called to be a pastor. He's like, awesome. I said, will you teach me to preach? Well, of course, that's what a 20-year-old wants to learn about the ministry, getting on a stage and talking. And he said, yeah, I will. And then he gave me the opportunity. He said, but also, I want you to become the janitor. And for three and a half years, I just almost got a bachelor's degree in toilet cleaning. <laughs> I maybe need to spend another six months and finish my, finish my degree. <laughs> but I cleaned toilets and I carried out trash. And you know what's so funny is uh, Nathan Bosworth, who's our campus pastor in uh, um, Big Lake, um, when Keenan was, was gone last week, I stepped in and I was the janitor for a week. 
And so I went right back into my old role, and I had a whole bunch of trash bags. I had them stuck in my back pocket, and I'm walking through, which was years ago. Those who remember Planet X days, I had walked through Angelo Christian School. Mandy remembers it. And so my goofy hat, my trash bags in my back pocket. And as I'm picking up trash, I was in that school picking up trash. And I got to minister to kids. I got to love on them and pray on them. I got to talk to them. They didn't see me as the janitor. They saw me as a youth pastor who happens to be taking out the trash. But in the middle of it, that's where it all begins. You know, the, the, the low moment can be at the beginning to the most amazing thing you've ever had in your life. Let God live. There's no insignificant phase of life. There's not. There's not. See, joy in life is found in trusting God through the twists and the turns. That's where it's found. Being on this journey with Him, walking it out with Him, trusting that He knows what He's doing, even when it looks like He doesn't. He does. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.